This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and 2024 greetings to you all from Rain Together, the show that puts the conversation into conversational pace. Today, I have as my guest a person who is passionate about running with the challenge of fitting it into a very busy life. A person dedicated to running can end up focusing almost exclusively on running and all things running. It can become almost overwhelming, even an obsession and anyone with experience in the running community has probably met a person they suspect is taking it a little too seriously and that life involves more than running. My guest today has been heavily involved in running for most of his life and yet seems to have kept the balance and variety that is likely to result in a healthier, happier future long term. I am keen to understand how he has done this and perhaps what help he had along the way. Thomas Clark, welcome to Running Together. Hello. <laughs> so my first question is, does pre-Christmas cookie time sales help you with your running? <laughs> Not at all. Um, <laughs> I came back from exams, I think my final exam was on the 20th of October. I had a couple of days travelling, packing up the flat, coming to Christchurch. I think I managed to fit in two runs before I started my full-time job. And then while selling and doing my job, I think I fat in two jogs. It was a full-time job. I had no time to do anything else. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was lots of activity. It was a lot of activity, but not enough time to do go for a run. It was, yeah. yeah. It was really full on, yeah. really intense for a couple of months, yeah. but it was worth it, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was a lot of work, but great fun while doing yeah. it. Yeah. And an opportunity perhaps for anyone interested in earning some money with healthy competition, get into uh, quick time in yeah. the future. definitely. Yeah, well done you. And now you can have a rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents, Graham and Sarah, have been incredibly supportive of young runners for the Christchurch Avon Club. Can you tell me a little of how they got involved in running and secondly, how they influenced your own running? I'm not sure exactly how they got into running as such. They always seemed to participate in lots of sports, Mm -hmm. talked about squash tournaments, touch tournaments and that kind of activities, cycling, skiing, lots of tramping, a lot of outdoor activities. And I think running just became the easy fitness activity to do, no setup. You can always just bring a pair of shoes with you no matter where you are in New Zealand, yeah. across the world. All it takes is a pair of shoes and will to go out and go for a jog. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how it began. And then especially with kids and busy full-time schedules, just to keep fitness and enjoyment up of a sport, running was the easiest, I think, for them. And then that's how they fell into the sport and have continued going through. So they were actually the coaches. They were the joint coaches for, for the young groups yes. at, at Christchurch Avon Club. So yeah, they seem to uh, in fact my two children went through with them supporting them. And it was a very, very positive experience for them and I think for pretty much everyone as far as I can remember. Mm. I think they did that for about eight years I think but mm-hmm. prior to that they'd run the junior um, athletics through the Kiwi sport at Christchurch Avon. Okay. So that was their initial starting as like a coaching kind of role. Mm-hmm. They ran that for quite a few years 
And then when the club captain was sick, my mother was the club captain for one year. Yeah. Um, and then have continued on as taking that junior middle distance group through winter, which has been, yeah, pretty cool to see them do. Were they actually the coaches of you or your old sister, Laura? Kind of. So prior to the Canterbury sport, we had Paul Norton was the main coordinator of the cross-country team. He was my kind of first coach as such. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, we'd always go out for a few runs and stuff with the family. So I wouldn't call it coaching. It was just kind of encouragement to go out and keep fit. And then we'd been following programs and stuff through Paul Norton, Craig Eustace, then through Barry McGee as well. Mm. Then they've been just kind of assisting and helping along the way. Because yeah, you cool. started really young, didn't you? Because obviously yeah. your older sister, Laura, she's what, two, three years three older? Three years older. Three years older. Yeah. So I think prob- so. she started in Kiwi sport at Christchurch Raven as I think a six or seven year old okay. coming into the sport. Mm-hmm. And then... Mum and Dad started helping me out a lot with the club and with the sport, and yeah. so I was kind of involved in around the sport from the age of about three to four. And I remember <laughs> participating in Kiwi sport. I think it's it's meant to be targeted from five plus, but I yeah. think I was about four and a half when I started yeah. with Mum and Dad being there, so I was there. Mm-hmm. So I've been at Christchurch Haven since first, since mm-hmm. right from the start, and then it continued all the way through primary school, intermediate, high school, and then into university as well. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose from an influence point of view, you've been around their involvement, as I said, right Mm -hmm. from the very earliest days. So I suppose just immersion alone and obviously the the examples that they've presented as far as helping, Mm. as far as supporting others and so on and so forth has been really, really useful. Athletics and cross country were always, like was my main focus. I had most achievement in that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. But we also did a lot of other sports with touch and tennis Moved into hockey through end of primary school, start of intermediate. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, then fell back into running, just the true love of the sport came yeah. back through, which was, yeah. As far as your running journey starting, I suppose it was as early as four, Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say five was the official five, yeah. official start through Kiwi Sport at Christchurch Haven and then, mm-hmm. yeah, continued so, all the way through. So for anyone who hasn't been involved in that, what would a typical, I don't know, typical session, for example, be as far as those those sort of Kiwi so, sports? Can you remember back this? They few were years really ago. focused on just basic coordination skills of run, mm-hmm. jump, throw. So it'd be yep. a lot of games, a lot of yeah, just enjoyable activities mm-hmm. that incorporated athletics and cross-country skills of yeah. throwing a shot put, throwing a frisbee with mm-hmm. a discus with correct um, technique, few sprinting, but not a lot of enjoyment and just building up a enjoyment for the sport rather than focusing on competing and that kind of stuff, yeah. which was really helpful. So it's much more about skill yeah. development than yeah. actually who's first and exactly. second. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then starting at seven is the earliest age you can start competing for the club through right. on Saturdays and comp- competitions. So early it would have literally been one night a week at the club and mm-hmm. then moved through maybe up until age 10 doing weeknight, Wednesday nights at the club, doing club night, and then Saturdays competing with the track against all the other clubs. Moving up in the age groups and stuff, getting probably about 10 years old, you start doing an extra night of training, Monday night trainings at the club with mm-hmm. more intensive, just basic skills stuff. And then moving through with more training and stuff in your personal time to keep fitness levels up and yeah. more skills. So yeah, it's been, it just slowly progresses up and the more that you want to do, which is pretty cool. And I seem to recollect at probably around age 13 or 14, you were actually doing some of the coaching, weren't you? Yeah, so I did a bit of, of middle distance. Ones. Yeah, middle age kind of group just with 
general knowledge of the sport, seen coaching stuff, had written programs for me, and then I was just there, part of the training group of mm-hmm. about 10 to 15, 12, uh, 10 to 14-year-olds running yeah. through for a couple of years, then left for university, so that mm-hmm. had to stop. I was what, no yeah. longer in the city, but yeah. Oh, wow. You probably haven't haven't been aware of it at the time, but you're probably using some of the um, some of the skills you've picked up from your own parents. Yep, fact, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely helped massively mm-hmm. through that. <laughs> you have this beautiful, at least to me, graceful toe strike form of running. Yeah, it's falling away. So to me, it is. I wish I had it. So it's always looked like something a classic 800 or perhaps yep. 1500 meter runner would use. First question. Have you always had that form? Just thinking of actually yeah. those Kiwi sports. Have yeah, re- I think it has been developed over time, mm-hmm. but I've always been a really high toe strike runner. Yeah, I think just with leg development and stuff, I've always had really high bouncy stride. Mm. It's definitely put pressure on some muscles, and I tend to have repeating injuries Uh-oh. due to my stride issues and stuff. But it seems to be a very efficient, quick way to run for myself. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not sure quite when it started. It's Definitely not the perfect technique, but it's, I think, a little bit more refined than it used to be. So, yeah. And what would be have been some of the issues? Calf muscles. Think, I used to always have calf muscle injuries, really? especially okay. through Colgate Games and mm-hmm. um, Canterbury Champs when yeah. it was three, four days of competing in a row. Always I'd do the middle distance, so 800, 1500-meter combo. I still could sprint in the earlier ages and mm. stuff, so I still did the 200s and the 100s. So just that repeated pressure, so then a lot, a lot of yeah. calf muscle mm-hmm. I never, I don't remember, I fully damaged muscles, but a lot of stresses and strains and stuff mm. that just were due to my running form. Yeah, so they weren't bone-related, they were more No, I, had, I didn't have many bone-related issues. It was mainly muscular throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I had a few of the standard growing pains of knee and yep. ankle and those type of issues through probably 12 to 13, maybe up to 14-year-olds, but not many of serious issues, which was mm. pretty fortunate at. Yeah, mm. and I think that is one of the risk factors when you are very oh. sort of toe-focused yep. is that there is quite a lot yep. of pressure on the, on the calves. But that was always one thing coaches have always helped massively, really mm. focusing on avoiding running on pavement as much as possible. So yep. even right from the first few jogs, was always on grass or gravel kind of roads and tracks yep. and that kind of stuff, avoiding just that pounding around on pavements, mm-hmm. ex- extensive pressure. We're never doing long distances. It was always shorter stuff just to, well growing bones not great to have too much pressure on so exactly yeah I was always very careful mm-hmm. so from when you were very young was there a particular event that you were most keen on always targeted the making it into the Canterbury rep teams for cross country mm-hmm. they were an interesting time where you'd take well you'd progress through schools into zones into provincials mm-hmm. and then the top 10 runners or up to maybe 13 runners would be selected into Canterbury representative team that was and then would travel as a team train as a team and then go and compete which was an absolute goal like every year was the target to make it into those rep teams to keep mm-hmm. fit keep training get yeah. into those teams just for the social side which was yeah. amazing yeah so it was less about for example I really want to be a super fast sprinter. Mm. It was more a case of if I may do some middle distance stuff on the track. And as you mentioned, mm. you were doing probably 100s and 200s as well as far as hip sharpness when it comes to Colgate games, which is for those basically primary school kids, yep. isn't it? Up till I think around 14 yep. years or something like that. Whereas for you, probably from your relatively early days, particularly during wintertime, 
is there's really no track no. basis. It's no. all about cross-country, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, like I was quite successful through maybe that 8 to 11-year-old kind of age group. And then I noticed that massive progression. Everyone else seemed to grow around me and I stayed the same size. And then that was where the major difference became. I know I was no longer competing for gold medals in the sprints and stuff just due to development differences. So I then moved into a lot more longer distances of 15s and 3K rather than my 200, 100 meters combos. So that changed quite a lot. And then just enjoying the sport rather than competing to win, which was Mm -hmm. quite a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into non-running activities that you've been involved in over the past decade. So you're not, what, 19, 20? Yeah, no, 20. 20 now. Can you give me a bit of a list what they are? So you've already mentioned hockey in the mm-hmm. in the earlier days and, and touch rugby. Yeah. Done lots of tramping, lots yep. of outdoor activities, mm-hmm. tramping, walking, bit of skiing in there. Yeah, that whole love for the outdoors has definitely come through my, from my parents, just exposure to walking up to a backcountry hut, young enjoying that kind of stuff, but then lots of other hobbies as well, from music mm. to social, yeah, had quite a variety of activities and hobbies, which has been quite So you were mentioning just before the show that, and that is your acting mm. experience. I always was in school drama performances and school plays and that kind of thing. Enjoyed the drama through Papanui High, it was some pretty cool teachers and stuff through there that helped me massively. And then just that enjoyment for getting out there and doing that kind of stuff has helped surprisingly a lot more in activities and stuff throughout medical. Yeah. Mm. Do you think there's anything in particular that you've learnt from those tramping experiences that's really helped you in surprising ways in other aspects of your life? It's been a lot of like respect for the outdoors, mm-hmm. seeing how things can go wrong and just being careful and planning. And then I've seen through other things how things do go wrong and just, yeah, that extreme caution, but enjoyment of the outdoors and that freedom that it provides is pretty cool. Yeah. There's a few major performances and stuff, but I was I, I did NCA drama was throughout the whole time and just the confidence to speak in front of crowds. I always did quite well in speech competitions and those kind of things. So just that confidence and ability to just get up and speak without fearing other issues was quite has been massively helpful through everything I've done just mm-hmm. being able to speak to people through my job being able to walk into a business and talk to someone and have a yarn has been yeah just skills that have been developed through years of just repeated exposure to things has been it's that confidence yeah. building the confidence yeah. isn't it yeah and one of the things that people find very scary or yeah. some people find very scary is, is public speaking mm. so I mean, it never gets easier. No one, no one <laughs> loves speaking in public, but yeah. it's a skill that you need to develop rather than something that you're kind of born with, which has yeah, mm-hmm. definitely been helped. Any thoughts about being, because I know Lahan is doing this at the moment, any thoughts about being um, an announcer at some of the athletics events? Oh, jeez. Being <laughs> <laughs> removed from the competitive side of athletics the last couple of years, so I don't yeah. know enough of right. the current um, athletes and competitors. Yeah. But, yeah, it would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know Paul Paul Norton's been, yeah. been marvellous at that. Oh, Paul was always in entertainment, no matter where you were. Yeah. What was it, 10 minutes and 12 seconds till the start of a race, you knew exactly when Paul was on the mic and starting the countdown. Um, <laughs> cross-country events especially, was always mm-hmm. to the second. <laughs> Paul yeah. was great entertainment. Very well organised. Yeah. 
seems to know absolutely everyone walking through. Yeah. Every every athlete coming through. Paul mm-hmm. knew them by name, by personality. He just mm-hmm. always had a quip on someone coming through, which is just incredible to hear. And he's very supportive um, oh, of the whole range yeah. of people. He was always giving, giving yeah. someone sort of credit for, for something, even if they they might have been yeah. packed, for example. <laughs> Whether it was someone's birthday that he mm. knew and just was saying happy birthday as they were crossing the finish line of an athletics event or yeah. whatever it was, he was always the most supporting type of personality. And I guess... We, we talked about your parents being a great influence on you. There must have been so many others you mentioned, also mm. Craig, uh, Paul. There's a number of people who have given you lots of sort of positive role mm. modelling there, isn't it? Mm. It's, yeah, I think even just the training group itself has been massive help. I mean, it, by the end of high school, I think there was nine to ten of us guys all competing similar kind of times, all pushing each other, mm. training days. It was just a great group of people that then has all developed a love for the sport. And I think the majority of us are still now still training to some extent mm-hmm. um, and still in the sport, which is pretty cool. I suppose it's a social aspect yeah. as well. We're talking about this, the show's about running together. But there's so many of those experiences. Mm. I know your, your dad still runs up in the hills and he runs yep. always with you know, others. So it would be the same for yourself. Yeah, I mean, through peak of high school, I think we were – well, we'd be training Monday night as a coordinated group. Wednesday night as a coordinated group. Saturday you'd be competing. Sunday would be a morning jog. You'd do at least one, maybe two runs throughout the week with the others. So you'd only really have maybe Friday night without meeting up with the same mm-hmm. kind of group. So yeah. you're constantly exposed to the same set of people, which was mm-hmm. different, different experience to yeah. most sports. I'm kind of interested, you know, on those conversational runs, and I, I, mm-hmm. I spoke to Tran briefly about it. Obviously he's quite keen on having a chat. He was saying just about anything. And you're in the hills for two hours with the same group of people that you've seen for the last four years. Conversations definitely go interesting places. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's been, especially with a very mixed group of personalities, I mm-hmm. think it would be interesting to see whether any of us would have been social in any other exposure. I, I, I think we all have a common interest of running, but we're all extremely different people. Yeah. Yet that running has been a time that we have all been together or semi-forced together mm-hmm. in a pack kind of run situation and just random conversations has always been quite entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard from your dad, Graham, each summer with some envy, I will confess, of your family getting away to Nelson Bays. Mm. Can you describe these places and what running was typically involved with them? Because I know that you did do yep. some of the running. At the time. So we would always go up camping, camping up Tochinui, which is on Abel Tasman. Mm-hmm. So it's a big, massive campsite. It used to be absolutely no power, no reception, completely isolated. Nearest power line was 20, 30k away, drop in the middle of the Abel Tasman, which was a pretty cool little spot. Amazing beaches, lots and lots of walking tracks and stuff around. So running kind of became the focus of the day. Get up in the morning, go for a run, back by 9.30, have some breakfast, mm-hmm. do nothing till lunch, have some lunch, do nothing till dinner, have some dinner, sleep, <laughs> get up, go for another run again. So it just became a pretty cool little time up there to do nothing else apart from run and eat and then enjoy the beaches and read a book. Mm-hmm. And you'd see, obviously, lots of nature yeah. on those runs. Oh, yeah, such a stunning little location up there, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah, fantastic. So as a running family, how often would you actually go out together? You know, it, would you do that at Tochinui or would you just... How, when we're camping from the same base, mum and dad would always go for a run. Mm-hmm. Laura might be taking along as well. I'd be at a little bit different fitness level, so I'd 
we'd all start at similar times. We'd all be up and gone maybe 8.30 to avoid the heat, but we'd all be maybe going along the same trail, but we'd all be coming back um, throughout the whole of high school, no matter what I was doing, whether it was a 90-minute run or a 30-minute jog. My parents would always come along to the same location. They'd do their own run from the same up Rotokatu, um, Bottle Lake, up on the hills, just go to the same location, go for a run. Whether we're not, we were running together or not, it was still a, a group excursion yeah. out to the location. Did quite a few runs and stuff, especially start of fartlek sessions with Dad would come for the first 10 minutes of the warm-up and then he would do his own session, I would do my own session and then meet down for the warm-down jo- warm jog back to the car. But, yeah, used to do a lot more through when fitness levels and stuff were a lot more similar through start of primary school, used to run as family, but not quite as much throughout the end. Just different yep. speeds, but yeah, exactly different speeds. Yeah, yeah. You get faster, and sorry, parents, <laughs> you get a little bit. Parents slower. stay consistent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a more appropriate word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're currently studying at Otago University. Mm-hmm. So, what's the focus of your studies, and how has it impacted your ability to exercise? <laughs> You're laughing away. So, studying medicine in Otago is it's extremely different to any other degree. So the first year you do is a health science-based year. It's extremely competitive and extremely challenging academically. Um, there's nothing else like it. You're doing a stupid amount of hours studying, going to libraries, lectures, labs, content. It's just a massive overload. I managed to actually surprisingly keep running up decently throughout there, apart from during exam type of periods where it was pretty rough, but running definitely took a hit yeah. um, in first year. And then this last year... It was a little bit better, but still, it's just a lot of time. The courses that I'm studying just take up time. And then the issue with Dunedin is that you'd lose sun. If you're doing a sport that's indoors, it's not that worry. You can get up at five o'clock, go to the gym, mm. not that worried. But when it's pouring down with rain, negative five degrees, dark till eight o'clock in the morning, and then dark again at seven o'clock at night, it's pretty difficult to just find time yeah. to go for a run. So that's just been the biggest struggle last couple of years. Hopefully this year is going to be better, but it's it's just going to be extremely difficult. Just that balance of time from, yeah, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah, we need to need to move up about oh, uh, seven yeah. or eight degrees latitude-wise <laughs> or something like that so we have long stays yeah. and warmer yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. Relatedly, many teenagers and young adults seem to drift away from the sport. Now, I'm not surprised mm. at all if they're studying medicine. So can you give some reasons from your own experience and perhaps some suggestions of what could keep them in running? I think the major drop-off is at that kind of 12 to 14 Mm. years age group, especially looking through athletics when that junior competition stuff ends at 14. There's a massive drop-off between moving into seniors. I think the, the whole sport needs to shift a lot more, embrace the social aspect. You see things like park run and stuff have become massive over the last few years without that commitment to a club or that kind of thing you can develop an enjoyment for the sport without and the competing comes naturally rather than the sport has mainly been focused compete 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 where it's kind of shifted into a lot more of a social side which is the main reason I'm still competing and enjoying the sport is this social aspect of going for a run with someone yeah it's hard because it is an individual sport you have to be dedicated in your own way the moment you stop running and then you get back into it like Started back in a couple of weeks ago and everything hurt for the first week. <laughs> Calf muscles were sore, hips were sore, everything was mm. painful, just getting out and doing a short jog. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know. That's a pretty difficult one. I think there's a lot of other things 
kids are wanting to do at that kind of age. And yeah, I think all sports are suffering from that massive drop off maintaining people in it, which is going to be interesting to see how it gets combated. Do you think part of it is devices or do you think that it's an easy excuse to to use them? I think it's a combo of both. Mm -hmm. You see things like Strava and a lot of sporting apps and stuff have got quite a help to bring people into the sport. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think, yeah, it's, it's it's a convenience thing, I think, to say you don't want to be doing any kind of sport because you want to be stuck inside. But, yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. So we had Tram on the show recently, and he was busily touching wood as he hasn't suffered any injuries up until now, <laughs> despite the big mileage. Now, you mentioned previously about the injuries that you've suffered. What have you learned as far as injury prevention other than, obviously, the surface that you run on? Just good habits. I was never the most dedicated stretching and stuff after runs. <laughs> I should have been a lot better. Um, just that recovery focus as much as anything, getting food, hydration, mm-hmm. recovery straight away after all runs, getting back your range of motion then allows you to train the next day. Yeah, and then just being careful, avoiding doing too much, too young, knowing your own boundaries, knowing your own limits, not pushing yourself, not starting too fast. Yeah. It's, yeah. A lot of experience, trial and error, definitely started back after injuries too fast and suffered the consequences from that. But, yeah, it's that, especially when you enjoy the sport, you're wanting to get back into it straight away. Exactly. If you're at a competitive kind of group, everyone else is continuing to train and get fitter and fitter and fitter. Then if you get injured for sick for a couple of weeks, you go, oh, geez, lost a lot of fitness there. Mm. Time trial time, start dropping down, and then it's just hard work getting back up to where you were. But, yeah, just knowing that it takes time and allowing natural recovery is mm. just as important. Yeah. I think my parents are literally just joking. That's why they don't stop. If they stop, they know all the injuries and stuff will creep up. So if you just keep going, yeah, everything yeah. just gets delayed. You yeah. don't have to worry about that kind of thing. That's so. true. Yeah. So can you share with us a standout running experience? So it could be a race, a workout, or even a place where you were running through that made it particularly memorable. I think, again, back to those long runs on Sunday, mm-hmm. the social aspect of 12 guys in a pack, complete group of different personalities thrown in together. You'd have a few fit girls and stuff running. We didn't uh, just coming along at the end for two hours on the hill at a slow conversational pace, just seeing where things went to when everyone was social. It was just, a, yeah, a very interesting experiences and stuff throughout those just and it, it allowed a lot more people to continue the sport. I mm. I would have probably dropped out a lot sooner of yeah. the sport without that social aspect. And I think mm-hmm. that's just been the massive help throughout long. Yeah. So good times. Yeah. Yeah. Good good enjoyment through high school. Mm-hmm. Thank, thanks for sharing that. So in the life of Thomas Clark, what are the near-term goals and longer-term ones, both in running and non-running related? Jeez. Mm, no, running related, I, I want to commit myself a lot more this year. I've definitely, it was too easy not to go for a run in the last couple of years, with, with especially with academic pressures mm-hmm. and stuff around you. They're only going to continue throughout my life. So just keeping fit. I want to target a few races and stuff this year to actually force myself to keep training and train to goals. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just really enjoying the sport as much as I can, running for the yeah, don't want to use the word hobby jogger, but I think definitely I'm definitely in the hobby jogger kind of category now. <laughs> I've never seen you as a hobby <laughs> jogger, I have to say. Um, 
Yeah, and then obviously academically I've got another three, four years worth of studies before I'm qualified. I've got lots to do. <laughs> now we are on to the quick fire round. Uh, you've heard my heard one of these before. So you can consider them your hill sprints. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you some options and you choose what's best for you. So Thomas, here goes. Shoes with lots of cushioning or very little? Little. I've never I've had a few shoes with lots of cushioning, but just they feel too clunky. Okay. I, I like the feeling of not much on my feet and mm-hmm. easy. Yeah, go for the minimal ones. Yep. Uphill or downhill? Uphill. Downhill sucks. <laughs> downhill hurts. <laughs> it always hurts knees, hurts everything more. At least with uphill, you're forced to go at a slower pace. And yeah. Yes, you are. Trail, road, cross country or track? Trail. Trail. Trail and cross country, definitely. Mm-hmm. I always enjoyed cross country races and stuff more. And then and by far I prefer riding on a trail to anywhere else. Morning or afternoon? Morning. And finally, a runner or a coach you greatly admire? Craig. Craig Eustace was by far the biggest influence throughout my whole career. Just continual dedication to the sport and always being there. We'd always respond to emails and texts and stuff before races. Just, yeah. Massive shout out to Craig. And, of course, his his long-term buddy, Alfie. Alfie. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas, thank you so much for coming in today. I wish you and Laura an awesome vacation in Vietnam, which is coming up very, very soon. And all the best with your studies to become a doctor and with your continued running. Thank you.